this morning we look at the, our message from John chapter 19. So last week we were in John, and we were looking in John chapter 11 at Lazarus. And a lot has happened in a course of a week, uh, and, or actually two weeks up to this point, uh, which Christ gives His life as a sacrifice for us, which we're going to read this morning from John chapter 19. So we're going to go there in a minute. If you have your Bible, go to John chapter 19. But as Christians, how much do we need to be reminded of the crucifixion of Christ? So some people have a tradition where they come to church, what, twice a year, and they think about the death of Christ, and that's about the only time that they take about t- partake in communion. A lot of churches will only have communion twice a year, or they'll have it once a month. It's not like what we read about in the Bible. We see that the early church partaking of communion every time they assembled on the first day of the week. And so there's that constant reminder. And some have said, well, do we need to be reminded that much of what Jesus has done for us? Do we need that constant reminder of the crucifixion of Christ? And I encourage you this morning to think about that, that we want to have that reminder. And there's a reason why it's at the beginning of the week. It's a reason why it's the first day of the week. It puts all things in perspective and we begin our week right. I don't like those calendars sometimes I get from the bank and other places where the first day of the week is always Monday. Like, no, it's not the first day of the week. It needs to remain Sunday. And that's the priority. That's, that's in my mind, in my thinking, looking at the Scriptures, I want to think about uh, what Christ has done for me and have that day, the Lord's Day, committed to the Lord, and then the rest of the week to follow it as a constant reminder. So there's a number of passages that come to mind that we look at in the early church and we see again Christians being devoted to communion, to the Lord's Supper, to the first day of the week, to this constant reminder of the crucifixion of Christ. In fact, Jesus tells us if we're going to be a disciple of Him, we've got to do what daily? Take up the cross. And so what are we doing? We're imitating Jesus every day. That's how we begin our day. We need to carry the cross with us everywhere. And so it's a great reminder this morning to reflect and picture again the great sacrifice of Christ and what He suffered for us. On the day when Jesus was crucified, just to go back through and give you a picture, the night before, Jesus under a full moon, because Passover is always at a full moon, Jesus is praying in the garden, sweat, sweat drops of blood. Remember that? And it says here in the Gospels that They came and they bound the hands of Jesus and they led him away with betrayal of a kiss and they arrest him and they take him to the house of the high priest and there the false witnesses are brought to Jesus and even from the very beginning they begin striking him and punching him and slapping him and spitting upon him. And usually when we think about what Christ endured for us, we don't usually think about that part. It is then that they say, well, prophesy. And he's brought to another place, the court of the high priest. And again, he's mocked. He said, prophesy. And they're slapping him. The whole Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court is there to condemn the Messiah, the Christ that they've been waiting for. And yet they reject Christ. After this, that morning, they they deliver him to Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea. And Pontius Pilate decides what to do with Jesus. He says, you know what? I'll satisfy them with having him scourged. In the ancient world, scourging uh, half the time led to people's deaths. And so, a leather straps on a whip lined with sharp bones and metal pieces were beaten against his back as he was most likely tied to a post. 
He would tear at his flesh and he'd begin bleeding. And Jesus endured that for us. And the scriptures talk about that he, he had that taken and those wounds upon his body. It's even prophesied in scripture that he went through that for us. After that, he was taken from the scourging and they put a crown of thorns on his head and a a robe on on him and took a reed in his hand and they mocked him as the king of the Jews, the Roman soldiers did. And the Roman soldiers took that reed and beat him with it and mocked him. It's after that that Pontius Pilate cannot satisfy the Jews and they kept crying, crucify him, crucify him. And so now Christ bears his his cross as far as he can. They put the cross on him to lead him up to the, the hill of the skull to Golgotha. And he goes as far as he can until Simon of Cyrene takes it up and carries it the rest of the way. And usually the picture we get, and what I usually think about at communion, and it's often on my mind, is that um, they put Christ down on the cross and they drove nails through his hands and through his feet. And they lifted him up And he hung there for six hours on our behalf. And from the garden to that moment and through the darkness that you read about here in the scriptures, he endures those things for us. And that gives us a good context to think about the sacrifice of Christ and what he went through for us. But he didn't do it without hope. He didn't do it without a purpose and without meaning. And I think a lot of people in the world today don't see the meaning in the sacrifice of Christ. So go with me to John 19. Let's begin reading in verse 17. So he's been delivered to be crucified in verse 17. It says, they took Jesus and therefore he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. And there they crucified him and with him two other men one on either side, and Jesus in between. And Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And therefore many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. And so the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, But that he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, a part to each soldier, and also his tunic. And now that tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. And so they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. And this was written in order that the scripture may be fulfilled. They divided his garments among them, and for his clothing they cast lots. Verse 25. And therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple of whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been finished, in order to finish the scripture, said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there, and so they put a sponge 
full of sour wine on a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. And therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So as we read those scriptures, there's a humbling state that comes from it. A solemn thing to picture and imagine in your head what Christ went through for us is we hold Him as the Son of God. It should have an effect upon you. It should encourage you. Now, when I read through these Scriptures, I see a number of things. And going along with what we see here in the bulletin, I see, that, I see the callous hearts of human ignorance here. I see Pontius Pilate and what he said, and I see the Pharisees and the Jews condemning their own Messiah Condemning the sinless man to be crucified. Also see this, I see the self-righteousness of humanity here. This is why Jesus is hanging on the cross for our own selfishness, for our sin. He, they crucified the innocent with the guilty. The innocent on behalf of the guilty, as is prophesied in the Old Testament. You know what I also see here? I see the insecurity of blame and guilt. And oftentimes when people feel guilty and they feel... Um, a blame. They want to pass it off on somebody else. They want to lash out at others. And they condemn the victim. And specifically here, they do so in writing. Pontius Pilate writing off inscription. As I was studying this, this passage of Scripture this week, and I was thinking about these things, I was thinking about the tragedy that happened in Nashville. And I was thinking about you know how some in... Uh, Political figures and so forth started blaming the victims and blaming Christians for that event, for the shooting there in Nashville. And a shocking thing it was. And here you see that, they see something very similar, uh, ultimately fulfilled in Christ as those who are guilty passing the blame off on Him, on Jesus. So as we continue to read and we think about this, these things that happens here with the crucifixion of Christ, we see also the careless disposition of the authorities, the soldiers, as they stood by. Maybe they've crucified many before. They're, they've just crucified three. They've probably been trained at it, a lot of experience in it, and they're kind of, they're careless at this. Now, we know from the other Gospels that the centurion who's nearby is convicted and comes to faith in Christ from seeing Jesus upon the cross. This was not any usual death upon a cross. But they are careless there. They're gambling for the garments and clothing of Jesus. We also see this, the disregard of the selfish as they ignored the loved ones of the innocent. You know, it's Jesus' mother standing by and to those who loved him, cared for him, are standing by witnessing that. Do they think about that? No, he brought it on himself. And we can see right here as we, we go through John, we see the sinfulness of humanity. We see the callousness of our hearts and insecurity and carelessness and disregard that we often have for the cross of Christ. Just to dismiss and overlook it, to go on with life. And not think about what He's done. And not, take, and not taking up the cross daily. But I see on the other hand, I see the Son of God on the cross. And it gives me hope and it gives me enthusiasm. It gives me joy to see His love and His commitment and His compassion. And I see Him doing it in hope. And while the rest of the world around Him doesn't understand it, he gives meaning. He gives meaning to the cross. It was just a form of torture until this point. And then the cross becomes a symbol of redemption, of freedom from sin throughout all the world. I think that's an amazing thing. So I see the Son of God, even upon the cross, showing compassion to His own mother 
and committing her to the care of the Apostle John. So even in the midst of his own suffering, he's looking toward others. Have you ever visited somebody and seen, gone to someone who's through, going through great distress, maybe in the hospital, maybe through great loss? Sometimes those individuals will give you more encouragement than you can ever offer to them. I've been in many hospital rooms uh, to, to be there to try to encourage whoever's going through sickness and recovering. And most of the time I feel more encouraged by them in the end, and their faith and their commitment. We see this also here in the Gospel of John, that the Messiah here is completing the Scripture. He's finishing it. He's bringing it to His full part. Jesus is never abandoning the Scripture. He's never ignoring it. He's always fulfilling it. And He does it right down to the end until His very last breath. And He says it is finished. So we see a faithful Savior who gave His Spirit to God the Father. And it's, it's these things, when we reflect upon death, and we often reflect upon our own death, that life is not unending, that there's going to come a time when we all die. And to see Christ, the Son of God, God come in the flesh to endure that on our behalf in His innocence, it should give us time to reflect. A time to say, what am I going to do? Who can save me from death? Who can give me life again? And it's in Christ. But I also see this, and again, reflecting upon the events this week, I see a lot of people using Christ as a scapegoat. You know, sometimes we use that. That, that phrase, scapegoat, comes from the Bible, from the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. On that Day of Atonement, there would be one goat that would be sacrificed, and his blood would be brought to the Holy of Holies inside. The other one would be set free and be released out into the wilderness to carry away the sins of the people of Israel. And here you have that picture in Jesus Christ. And so we can come to Jesus and we can see Him as a scapegoat. And some in the world today will say, you see, He brought this on Himself. Jesus brought this upon Christians today. He's brought this suffering upon Him and they can blame it on Him. Or we can see Christ as the scapegoat who takes away the sins of the world, who carries our sins and buries them on our behalf as the Passover lamb and as that atoning sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. The figure works for both sacrifices. You know what I see in the, in the sacrifice of Christ? I see the promises of God that we should be sharing with others. I see the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience. And that came to my mind this week in studying this because in Romans chapter 2, as we've been studying the book of Romans and who needs Jesus on Sunday morning in our Bible class, Paul says there in Romans 2, he says, Don't you know that it's the kindness of God and His forbearance and His patience is what leads you to repentance? It's God's love and it's His compassion and it's His promises. It's the things that He offers to us. Forgiveness of sins and eternal life and hope. All those things change us. They they compel us to repent. And as Christians, we carry this with us. This is what changes our life. We reflect upon the cross of Christ. And we stand in awe of Him, the Son of God dying on our behalf. After Jesus has died upon the cross, there's another event that takes place there that stands out. In John 19 and verse 34, we read this, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. They don't usually do that. And in this case, they didn't usually do that. They came to Christ and He was already dead. They've broken the lives, uh, broken the legs, excuse me, of the, um, of the criminals on each side of Christ. And it says here, And then instead of breaking his legs, they pierced his side. And all this is a fulfilling of Scripture. 
It's by His blood. And it says there that blood and water came from His side. The pericardium sac within Him had burst open. And we see that. We see the connection of blood and water throughout the Scriptures as it's made reference in John, 1 John chapter 5. And in Revelation 1 and verse 5, it says, They will look upon Him of whom they have pierced, and that His blood is what washes away our sins. So as I picture and I think about Christ and I think about what He has endured, I think about in His death, His shedding of blood and water that came forth. I think about baptism. And I think about how in baptism we come in contact with the agent of Christ's blood that washes away our sins. Those things come to mind. John goes on here and he writes this. As he's talking about this, and he's got this picture, and he's talking about Jesus' side being pierced. This is the only gospel that mentions that. This is what we read. John says, And he who has seen has borne witness. John's saying, I'm bearing witness to you, and I'm telling you about these things, and I want you to think and remember Christ and His great sacrifice. Why? Why does He want you to do that? He says, and He says, And I, His witness is true, and His witness is true. I bore witness to it, and what Jesus has said is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. And so John's saying that he is bearing, again, witness and what he's saying is true. And he says, the whole purpose of this and why I'm writing this gospel is so that you may believe. So I encourage you this morning to reflect upon the cross of Christ, and may it stir your belief. May that faith be a living faith that produces good works that does good, that gives glory to God, that reflects upon the cross of Christ every day. For these things, he says, came to pass in order that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And that's what Jesus said. He was fulfilling Scripture when He said, it is finished. He was fulfilling it, completing it. And it says here, the Scripture says, not a bone of Him shall be broken. That's from Psalm 34 and verse 20. And the sacrifices, when you go back and you look at Exodus 12 and verse 16, that the sacrifice, none of the bones were to be broken. Exodus 12, excuse me, verse 46. And this also fulfills the Scripture. Zechariah 12.10 says, They will look upon Him of whom they have pierced. It was predicted that the Son of God would be pierced in His death. Here's another passage on that from Isaiah 53. I love going to Isaiah 53, especially when I'm partaking of communion and, and partaking of the Lord's Supper. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. But He was pierced through for our transgressions. And every part of that, not just the cross, but all of His suffering from His hands being bound to His death upon the cross and after He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the chastening excuse me, for our peace fell upon Him and by His wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Wonderful Scripture to read, to reflect upon the sacrifice of Christ. So what good comes from these reminders? You know, there's a reason why we have four Gospels. And we can read about the suffering of Christ, that we read that this is the Gospel message. When we go to Romans and Galatians and 1 Corinthians 15, it's throughout the Scriptures, it's the basis of which all things make sense. All life makes sense and all the Bible has come to this point to Jesus Christ. These are here to remind us constantly We want to read them. We want to study them. Not just once a year or twice a year. You are being reminded every first day of the week that this is how we are to live daily. Every day of the week. I need that reminder. I need the reminder of the Lord's Supper. I reflect upon that and I think sometimes I begin to take a Lord's Supper. Am I doing this? Is my mind in the right place? What am I thinking about? Am I thinking about the great sacrifice of Christ, His body and His blood that was given? 
I need that reminder. God knows that we need that. God is the one who set it up. He knows that we as people need to be constantly reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And I'm thankful that we're in a congregation that's so committed and we have some men who are so well qualified and talented at leading the Lord's table and bringing us into that state of mind. Now, the, the gospel doesn't end with the death of Christ, does it? So in John chapter 19 and verse 41 and following, we read this. Now in the place in which he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had, been, had yet been laid. And therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And that means a lot to us. The stone's moved. The tomb is found empty. We read and go on a little bit further and we see Peter and John running to look into the tomb. It doesn't end with just Jesus' death. It's not just that Jesus died and He gave up His Spirit to God and therefore we want to follow the same martyr's death. That we want to follow the example of Christ and when we die our spirit goes to be with God and that's the end of it. There's hope at the end of the story of the suffering and the death of Christ. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of again the promises of God and be encouraged by it. Jesus' death was more than the martyrdom of a great man. You know, and that's the way the world usually sees it. Oh, this man died on a cross, and you you think about that and you look at the cross as a symbol. What meaning has that for me or anybody else? They're missing it. Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, you know it, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. These are the words of Christ, that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son in the world to judge the world. God didn't send His Son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. We reflect upon these things. God had a plan from the very beginning. In John 1, 1, He says, in the beginning... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, God had, a whole, had this plan to send Jesus Christ, that the Word would become flesh and dwell among us, that He would suffer these things and give us redemption. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, He had purposed to reveal His love and His kindness to those who were created in His image. This is intended for you. And if the crucifixion of Christ has any effect upon you this morning, I encourage you to give your life wholly over to to Jesus. That you look about His great sacrifice and you think about the gospel message and listen to Jesus' words here in John 10. Jesus says in John 10, 17, 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I received from my Father. I love that scripture. That's the gospel right there. In the mouth of Christ. I have the authority to lay down my life and to take it up again. Why? Because Jesus says there's coming a day in John 6 and verse 40 when he will call the dead from the tombs. When those who are his will resurrect on that final day. I put my hope in Him and I believe in His promises with all my heart. And encourage you this morning, let's continue to remind each other. Carry the reminder of the cross of Christ with us. May it continually change our life every day and we take up the cross.
So we finish with this as an invitation. Have you been born of the water and the Spirit? Jesus says, unless you've been born again, you've been born of the water and Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I encourage you this morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, do so. Take part in God's promises in the kingdom of God and eternal life. Confess your faith that Jesus rose from the dead and be buried with Him. You need prayers and encouragement. We encourage you to come right now. Let's stand and sing together.